Asset Radio. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Happy Thanksgiving, Aaron. It is that time, mid-November. All I can think about is the turkey coming on the plate. How about you? Yes, uh, mine would be more. I do like <laughs> turkey, but uh, pecan pie, that certainly ranks, you know, I'm not a big sweet eater, but that is uh, one of the few handful of times of year that I do uh, like to partake of the uh, sugary substance. So anyway, that is that is certainly well, my favorite. Without further ado, we welcome everybody to the November 15 episode of Bass Edge Radio, episode Aaron number 364. And while we're talking about food, cranberry, Cranberry slices. I eat them no other time of year other than Thanksgiving, and it is probably now the most looked forward food on Thanksgiving table for me. So, uh, message listeners, I hope you've got some favorite food you're looking forward to here over Thanksgiving. Aaron, break it down for me, man. What do we got going on this episode? Well, speaking of, you know, Thanksgiving, certainly we are thankful. 364 episodes at the mic and kind of bringing Bass Edge Nation along with us, but certainly no one else has made that more possible than MegaWare Keelguard. So show your appreciation Absolutely. as uh, you begin kind of looking for, I don't want to say stocking stuffers because you'd have to have a pretty big stocking, but certainly looking for gifts under the tree for that significant other fishing buddy. Uh, and that can all be found at keelguard.com, Flexstep Battery Guard, and the first do-it-yourself keel protector by putting on the protection of pros pick. Kurt, what a fun episode. I'm anxious to uh, kind of dive off into some tips and head off into the interview. Yeah, we're going to be thankful we have Bass Edge radio so we're going to continue on let's rock and roll we're going to move into the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip right now this episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with mlf pro circuit champion jimmy washam you know fall fishing late november what i really like to pick up and, and cover water with and find those active fish is a lipless crankbait my go-to is the azuma shaker z the 5 8 ounce standard size it, it really casts well it covers a lot of water you can get it in the knock knock which is a single rattle chamber or the standard shaker z with the high pitch rattle chamber that high pitch rattle chamber is great in high pressure days clear skies or you can if, if you need to make long casts and maybe get a little bit deeper in the water column you can go up to the heavy z which is still that great compact 5 8 ounce size but it's going to weigh three quarters of an ounce you know, those baits, you can rip them through grass. You can really make long casts with a quick retrieve, cover a ton of water. That rattle chamber is going to draw strikes, and it's a bait that has a little more of a subtle action than you see out of a lot of lipless baits. And that's really the key to getting those fall fish to react. They're keyed on bait fish, and, and they're going to see a lot of lipless baits. And that Shaker Z is one that will catch them behind other baits. So that's definitely my go-to in late November. Jimmy, great tip. Brought to you by ProtecttheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. 
Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, uh, just before the break there, you talked about some stocking stuffers. Man, I got a great idea for stocking stuffers, which uh, will not be in the supply chain woes. Uh, <laughs> not because it's not a great item to have, but just because Mark Lassane over at Bass Angler Magazine is going to be getting it out to all the subscribers. And that's a subscription to uh, Bass Angler Magazine, bro. The, their new edition comes out in December, the winter edition. It's toward the end of December. So uh, that'd be a great stocking stuffer idea. So uh, if you need something for that uh, buddy, person you love, uh, son, daughter, fisher, friend, Bass Angler Mag would be a great one to get because you're going to get a new subscription right there when a new magazine comes out all at the same time. So uh, that's my idea. What do you think, Aaron? Well, you got any ideas? I think it's a great idea. Ideas. I think it's a great idea. And, and no, I mean, you always have to one-up me. So there you go. You did it. So I'm still good. thinking about cranberry slices. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, can mean, I can tell. I can tell. But uh, no, it's, it's that time of year, like we mentioned. Talking about being thankful, I know that you've got uh, some thanks to give to Nitro, man. They got uh, a whole new giddy-up going on, some changes with the new rig, and you're getting yours like now, bro. Yeah, I mean, it's it literally. I got back from Norfolk from the regional, and uh, I get a call that following Monday. Now, remember, we I know we've kind of been tongue in cheek here talking about supply chain issues and the microchips and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the motors and components aren't the easiest to get. Long story short, I received a call. Hey, we've got your boat here. Only problem is they didn't have anything to put on it with rigging and electronics. So I got to work. That entire team just crushed it. Uh, it's been wrapped, and uh, looking forward to actually getting my hands on that here in the next day or so uh, for being delivered. So. But- Will you be able to take it out over the Thanksgiving holiday break? Uh, I will be. I nice. will. Uh, yes, that that is that is the intention. Yes, to do a break in, nice. hopefully get some nice weather, do make a few casts, that kind of stuff. But looking forward, Absolutely. you know, it's the new 21 XL, complete new hull design. It's got the uh, day boxes now up front, the reconfigured storage, change the graphs up a little bit, Kurt, of uh, running uh, three Garmin's and uh, one Lowrance, and then also have the power pole charge, kind of manage all that power that's needed. So lots oh, yeah, of good stuff needed. there that I can't wait to get out and try well we'll be looking forward to uh getting some photos once it's all set up and maybe you can get a brief overview we'll fire that out on those social media outlets when you when you have an opportunity after the holidays of course so uh man uh we've got a great interview coming up we've had a couple of just phenomenal interviews over the last couple episodes and and we're going to continue that trend right here aaron we've got a an opens angle we've got kind of the all opens november 
right? <laughs> it's like all opens all the time right here in November. So uh, y'all stay tuned. We're going to bring in a guest that you're going to want to hear from. He's got some great YouTube stuff out there. That's going to be something you're going to want to check out after we kind of give you a little prelude, do a couple things. But uh, the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight will be here right after this message. Y'all stay tuned. This is FLW Tour Angler, Matt Reed. I'm FLW Tour Angler, Pete Pons. I am Bass Pro Tour Angler, Stephen Browning. I am David Dudley, 2019 Angler of the Year. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. It's like Open Anglers Month here on Bass Edge. It's so cool, man. We're chatting with another professional angler that is excelling in the BASS Opens today. No exception. We've got on the show an angler that has fished every Bass Open the past two years. All in on making the jump to the BASS Elite Series. Aaron, help me welcome back to the show professional angler, YouTuber, and industry employee, Andrew Upshaw. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Nah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be back. I just wish this time it was because I won two events instead of the last time. So. <laughs> right. Well, it's still been uh, pretty good, even though that was episode 304, you know, back, I, I don't know, around 2019. Andrew, it was uh, looked as though 2021 was successful. I mean, cashing, right? If you were going back to kind of the Jerry Maguire, show me the money, cashing five of nine BASS open events. But man, it's a tough hill to climb, you know, when the goal is the elite series. So close to qualifying, you know, care to kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, it goes to show you just how difficult it is, you know, five of nine and all top 40 finishes and, you know, a couple of them in the 20s. And I actually, I don't think I had a finish past 100 this year. So when you start talking fields of 200, 225 per event, you know, I'm still finishing above the top 50% of the field. And when you're cashing a check, I mean, the numbers get really kind of skewed because you're like, man, it's like top 20% of the field and you're finishing just to try to get paid. It goes to show you how good the anglers are. You have so many anglers from every platform, whether it be the Bass Pro Tour, the Pro Circuit, the Bassmaster Elite Series. And then you add on the fact that you have all the open guys that are really, really good seasoned anglers and then all the locals, you know, the guides, the kind of regional pros that you have from that particular area. I was really blessed this year to have a good season. Do I wish it would have turned out a bit better? Sure, of course, anybody would say that. But at the end of the day, I mean, I left it all out there. I worked my butt off and I finished eight overall. So, you know, I can't really hang my hat too bad on that. So Absolutely not, man. It's, a, it's an accomplishment in itself. Top 10 in the overall AOY standings. 
Andrew, you know, you're making a great niche fishing, the BAS Open Divisions, a decision you made after the 2019 MLF season, which was a ridiculously good season, right? The last time we had you on the show, you won an FLW Tour event over there at Lake Cherokee. Later that fall, after you were on Bass Edge, you won the Toyota Series Championship, and then you went in on the Opens. How has this been working for you from a professional standpoint? Do you miss fishing for the bigger paybacks the other circuit provided? And just overall, now that you're kind of really dug in on where you're at and where you want to be, I know that this was your choice and this is where you want to be. This is your goal of what you're trying to move into the Elite Series. How do you feel like from a professional standpoint, this is working out? You know, that's a really great question. I'll address the first thing, the kind of the monkey in the room. It's as far as fishing for more money. I think all professional anglers at some point are professional gamblers. We all want to fish for the <laughs> biggest right. amount of money that we'd like to fish for. That would probably be the hardest part for me. But just like any professional gambler, I saw the writing on the wall and the MLF stuff. And it's not really a knock on MLF. You know, I, I've noticed the last couple of years, the past couple of seasons on the pro circuit, the entry fees have continued to rise and the paybacks have not. So as far as an investment standpoint, I feel like I made a good decision. However, I do miss getting $10,000 checks because let's just say, for instance, I finish in the exact same placements that I do in the pro circuit. And we'll say as far as a percent wise, you know, based off field size, sure. I'm going to get a check in almost every single event. So, you know, of course, you start adding up that money and you're like, man, I could have made this. But at the end of the day, it's a different fishery. It's a different body of water. It's all different. And I'll be honest with you. I felt like I would gotten in a really good place as far as mentally with the FLW Tour uh, when it existed. Right. And I had a really good game plan for just about every event just based off of how the tournaments run. Now, it was a big learning curve going to the Open because it's so different. I know it doesn't sound different. But whenever you're talking 200 to 225 boats, you got to stop fishing places that are just seen by everyone. You have to start fishing stuff that's off the beaten path even more. And you have to fly by the seat of your pants way more often in the open. And in 2020, I hadn't learned that yet. So it was a kind of a learning year for me. And I think that's why I rebounded nicely in 2021. As far as a professional standpoint, you know, we're all trying to qualify for the next big thing, whether you're the pro circuit trying to go to the Bass Pro Tour or the Bass Open trying to qualify for the Bass Elite Series. You just have to kind of buy your time. And, and, you know, in this situation, my sponsors have been absolutely fantastic. Megaware, Killguard, Garmin, Lou, Strike King, just to name a few, have really stood behind me in this particular time because they know I'm in kind of a purgatory right now. Right. I'm in this in-between state of trying to get to where I want to be, and I'll get there. And, you know, and I hope it's next year. You know, the schedule lines out extremely well. And uh, when you look at just the Southerns, for instance, we're going to Toho in February. We have Cherokee in April, which is about the exact same time that I won. And we have Hartwell in October, which is at my last year I had a top 10 there. Right. So, uh, I mean, that's just one schedule in particular that I'm really looking forward to. And I think it's going to be a good season. No doubt about it. Well, Andrew, I would love to kind of hear your strategy if you have one. You know, fishing all nine open events versus just choosing a couple divisions. It seems like that's a long season that can really wear on you. Because as you mentioned, you know, the opens are a little different. In my opinion, you know, you're dealing with a lot more variables from the competitive aspect, but also the geographic aspect to the time of year. Whereas once you get kind of like what you had mentioned on the old days of the FLW Tour, you kind of would get in a rhythm, right? Whereas the opens, I don't know that necessarily provide that rhythm for you. And and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. 
No, it's uh, absolutely correct. It's kind of like throwing a bouncy ball in a room and just trying to guess where it's going to go. Kind of like working with Kurt. I just never know what he's going to say. <laughs> I mean, like, I'll tell you, for instance, I went to St. Lawrence River, and then I had to go to Lake Norman right after that. And then I had to go to Smith Lake right after that. And then the Grand Lake after that. And it was just like, you couldn't ask for more polar opposite fisheries and types of fishing and, and types of fish. And I mean, you never know what to expect at Smith, we were supposed to have that event in April and ended up getting moved to October and, you know, trying to rearrange schedules and do all that stuff. It's a cluster and it's hard to operate when you're dealing with that inconsistency. You know, I've learned to just kind of take it a day at a time. And, you know, the deal with FLW, when I fished FLW, I can really look ahead on a lot of tournaments and kind of prep and get ready for tournaments ahead of time. And in this particular case, I'll be honest, like I can't even sit down and do map study for the next lake because I'm already fishing a tournament and then I'm going to the next week and fishing a different body of water. So trying to do like pre-game map prep and trying to get some info and trying to get just like general info, like lake levels and what stage of the fish in. Like I can't even do that now because I'm just so ridiculously busy so it's just kind of show up and let's see what happens and as far as strategy goes i truly just try to keep my eyes open and fish that day's condition i think i can't stress that enough like i ran into that i actually posted a video not too long ago of my grand lake event and i talked about it in my day one video that i got really stubborn on that day and i was i was so focused on docks and i should have adjusted that particular day because we had a lot of wind i should have gone and cranking and stuff like that but i got stubborn on day two i kept my eyes open i caught my biggest bag of the event and actually moved up into check range so you have to just fish the conditions you can't worry about what practice dictates and you hear anglers talk about that all the time but i think it's even more prevalent in the bassmaster opens because you can't have a bad day tommy martin told me best a long time ago he said andrew you cannot fish the bass opens and not catch a five bass limit every day if you want to make the elite series you have to catch five every single day and at the time, I was like, oh, that's easy. No big deal. I catch five everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. No, that is one of the hardest aspects of bass fishing, especially going to new bodies of water and dealing with the amount of pressure. I mean, there's some of these guys that have been there a month straight practicing for this event, and it takes tolls on fisheries. I mean, it's really difficult. So let's talk about that real quick. You know, you're fishing all nine events. I mean, a marathon, right? Nobody has a tournament series that encompasses that many events right now. I mean, I think the Elite Series is eight events. It used to be 11, but, you know, every other series, well, maybe the Bass Pro Tour, they might have nine events. But long story short is, it is one of the longest event series out there if you're choosing to fish all nine and, and having that overall angler of the year potential to be in focus what's the strategy there on just maybe fishing a couple of divisions instead of all nine have you looked at what might be better for you particularly or just looked at the overall effectiveness of what nine brings to the table versus just maybe focusing a little bit more on just one or two divisions to try to make that leap to the next step You know, my wife and I actually talked about that in depth, you know, trying to really figure out what was best and what was the best direction. And it's really hard to say because, you know, let's say, for instance, I say, okay, I'm going to fish the Southerns and the Northerns and I'm not going to fish the Central Division. Well, that gives me six opportunities to make the Elite Series, only six. Right. And I literally leave six other opportunities on the table if I do that. If I fish all nine, I have 12 opportunities to make the Elite Series. Now, 
in the each individual division, you have three in each. So I, the way I look at it is, okay, I got three chances to make it. But the angler that I am, I am the grinder. I'm the guy that day in and day out, I'm going to be pretty consistent most of the time. And when it comes to overall angler of the year points, I typically do pretty well. And so what I look at is, a, okay, which one fits me best? And truthfully, the one that fits me best is being the grinder fishing nine events. And it works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. It's really hard. And, you know, but I talked to a guy like Daryl Gleason. He made the Elite Series last season in right. 2020, and he fished only one division. And for some guys, that really works because they can focus literally on three events. But to me, that's the biggest risk because you're saying, okay, I've got three opportunities. I've got six days that I have to be perfect. You can't lose a fish can't miss a fish you got to make the best decisions and you got to catch them every single day and to me that's even more difficult to do that than what i'm trying to do is fishing all nine because i can't afford to miss one or lose one or have you know a dead fish or something like that and and it just kind of gives you a little bit more leeway fishing all nine i would throw out there too andrew that you know you are a full-time competitor that you depend your living your income depends upon opportunities and even if you don't let's say and, and you pick up those extra three that's giving you a another three chances to draw a pretty good paycheck, even if your qualification wouldn't come out of necessarily that division. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you've got to kind of make hay while the sun's shining and entering a tournament and giving yourself an opportunity to earn a pretty good paycheck. I would think that would have to play in there as well. Well, you know, the only bad thing about that, and because I, I mean, I, I'll be completely transparent, you know, the payback on the opens is absolutely dismal. Like, it's not good. And everyone knows. <laughs> right. You kind of picked up where I was leading. I just didn't want to go. <laughs> I was going to ask your opinion on that. So <laughs> there you go. No, no, no. I mean, it, it's not good. Uh, the, the payback is awful. You know, and to get a check, you might be breaking even, maybe. But it's it's way beyond that for what I'm trying to do. And, and a lot of anglers. I mean, we're trying to make the Elite Series. And you kind of take the good with the bad. You know, like, they have 50 to 100 people on the waiting list trying to get in these events because – of trying to either make the elite or fish the Bassmaster Classic. And let's be honest, guys, like, I really would love to win an event and make the Classic. I mean, that's a huge goal of mine. I fished one before, and I'd love to fish another one. So I think when it comes to having those nine opportunities, if there's a particular division or a tournament that I think I can kind of stretch out and, and try to win, and, and Kurt knows what I'm talking about here. I mean, we all want to win every tournament we fish, but there's sometimes you got to take a few more chances than normal to try to win some events and and sometimes it's not worth it because you can fall flat on your face and not be consistent and then in a particular season like I have I need to be as consistent as possible I think in 2020 I kind of went for the gusto a few times and I almost got it at Hartwell and you kind of have to pick and choose where you're doing that but to make really good decisions but yeah ultimately I mean just to Kurt's point earlier I do miss fishing for a hundred thousand dollars thousand percent i mean that's life-changing money in the sport of bass fishing and so uh yeah i would love to win one and i'd love to make some more money in it but yeah at the end of the day i'm just trying to fish for points you know at this particular situation makes sense andrew before we go to a break you you made a move which had been kind of a wrench in the schedule there back in february march you kind of you know made that move back from oklahoma to your roots there in east texas how's the move treated you have you been able to be around the house very much this year and how has that affected your angling life you know kind of getting back from i think you were out there in that tulsa area and and now back to toledo bend hemp hill texas area there how has that affected your angling life you know i didn't move until about june and i think since i've moved i've been home 
probably a combination of about a month and a half. <laughs> right. I, I was actually on the road from, uh, let's see, September and October, almost two straight months. And it was a grind. It was really hard. But as far as being home, being back to my roots in, in East Texas, I, I couldn't ask for better. I mean, honestly, I spent a lot of time, especially when we first moved out there with my son, Kane, uh, crappie fishing. And right. uh, he has an affinity for crappie fishing. And, we, and I do, too. I love catching crappie. So I don't think I've bass fished on Toledo more than about three times in the course of the last you know, handful of months that I've been here. And I probably went crappie fishing at least 15 or 20 times. So, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I really love catching crappie. It's so much fun. But I do actually think it made a difference. I got to do that before I went to St. Lawrence because I spent a lot of time looking at live scope at St. Lawrence and at Lake Norman. And that's how I caught a lot of my fish at both of those events. And so, I, yeah, I absolutely think it's made me better. And I truly believe for the coming years, it's going to make me even more competitive because it's going to get me back to the roots of catching big ones. And uh, Kurt knows what I'm talking about there. You get to a body of water like a Toledo Bend or Sam Rayburn, you get used to trying to figure out how to catch 30 pounds. It does make you more competitive in places where you, the biggest bagger you can do is catch 20. 20 because you're used to catching five and six and seven and eight pounders and the more you get used to catching that size fish the better you are when you get in that situation with that size fishing in a particular event. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Guys, man, this has been a great in-depth conversation. I hope the listeners are enjoying it too. We're going to power pole down for a short pause in the action, but we'll be right back after this message. Stay tuned. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by Mercury Marine. Go boldly as we return with professional angler Andrew Upshaw and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Andrew, you kind of preluded to it there in the first half of the interview. You talked about uh, a Grand Lake event and uh, the YouTube. That was a, a part and a segue of that event. You've really attacked the YouTube over the last couple years. Um, what's your favorite part about doing the videos for your fans? And what was your most memorable video of this year? Oh, man, that's a hard one. <laughs> that is, that's a really difficult one. You know, I, I want to touch one thing on YouTube real quick. You know, when I left FLW, when I looked at what I was doing at FLW, and I think a lot of anglers kind of fall in this trap a bit, is we get so used to other people promoting us. We rely too much on organizations on news stations to promote us, whether it be like a Wired to Fish, a Bass fan, a Bassmaster, FLW, whoever it may be, we rely on them to do it. And what I learned is I couldn't rely on all of these people to promote me. I had to learn to promote myself. And I commend you, Kurt, because you've done the same thing with your Bass Edge Radio and, and some things like that. For any angler that is listening to this, I want you to really take this to heart. You cannot rely on others to do the hard work for you. You have to get done sometimes and figure it out on your own and the group that i left with todd cassadine bradley hallman scott martin scott kind of took me under his wing first and and i brought 
Castle Don and Hallman Inn, and we all kind of learned YouTube together. We started working hard. We worked and did a lot of videos together, and it kind of exploded us on the scene a little bit. And and I don't see any stopping what we're doing because a group is better than a single and, and the more you can bring eyes to uh, the fishing situation, the more success you're going to have. And I can tell you one thing, sponsors absolutely have noticed the work that we put into that. As far as my favorite video of the year, that's an easier one. From a tournament standpoint, my Pickwick tournament was definitely my favorite because there was so much emotion in that. I had zero fish on the second day at about 1 o'clock if I remember correctly, and I had to make a 30 or 45 minute run back down to the dam. And between one o'clock and about 2.30, I was able to catch almost 19 pounds of bass. I kind of just went for broke and went flipping and I boat swung an eight pounder, or like almost an eight pounder. Didn't mean to, I thought it was a five pounder. You know, it was just a lot of emotion in that particular tournament. So uh, by far that was that was the highlight. I mean, but you know, another one is I actually was able to catch big bass of the event at uh, the St. Lawrence River with almost a seven pound smallmouth. <laughs> There's a lot of highlights this year, for sure, no doubt about it. Uh, that's fun stuff. Uh, you know, now Andrew, that you're kind of, I guess, returning to Toledo Bend, and I'm sure that the lake has has changed. You know, since you've you've been there over the last several years, I would think that would be a safe statement. How has the change impacted? You know, kind of the fishing and how you attack Toledo Bend as early winter patterns more or less start coming into play there. You know, Toledo Bend has definitely changed. You know, they they didn't do it any favors by spraying all the grass, killing all the grass out. And when I say all the grass, I mean literally all the grass, uh, hay grass, pepper grass, hydrilla. You have a few little patches of uh, coontail here and there, but for the most part, it's all gone. And uh, when you have a fishery like that, you know, that is so fertile and so good and you kill everything, the fish kind of go in this flux. They go in this almost to the point where everybody thinks every fish in the lake is dead because they have to relocate. They have to change up the way they were positioning on stuff. And don't get me wrong, I do believe that there's, you know, a good population, a good set of the population that, that are no longer with us. But I do think that they have just kind of relocated. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I haven't quite figured it out. Uh, I do think they're going to be more river channel oriented, probably suspended in timber. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Lake Washita. I really think you're going to start seeing guys using their live scopes getting in these big natural trees and figuring out how to catch these 10 pounders because they still live here. You just have to figure out where they live. Early winter patterns, as far as Salida Bend goes, like I said, I think you're going to be using your live scopes a ton. Jerk baits, I think, are going to actually start playing more and more here just for the fact that you can fish the jerk bait around trees, especially a deep diving jerk bait like a Strike King KVD 300 DD. Uh, you know, something like that is going to be really effective. Throwing like an underspin, I think, is going to be another effective technique. And then if you're fishing on the bottom, you know, trying to find those little rocky outcroppings, because there is rock, contrary to belief, and hard spots on Toledo Bend. You find those little hard spots, I think those are going to play 25 to 35 foot of water. You know, in January, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that you can catch these fish really, really deep on Toledo Bend. I've actually caught them in the 40 and 50 foot range drop shots on the bottom. Uh, especially, you know, you had those winters where the water actually get really, really clear. Uh, we've had those a few different times on Salida, and I was able to catch some really deep fish. So you, you kind of have to keep your mind open, especially early season Salida Bend, because you just never know how it's going to be, how our winter time is going to be. 
I've seen winters where it's been really warm and the fishing has been really good. And then I've seen it to where it's been really cold and snowed and it's been kind of tough. So Salida Bend is a fickle place and it's even more fickle now that there's no grass in it. But there's definitely still some nice bass here. Very cool. How, you know, you talk a little bit about that forward facing sonar and how you know, you really feel it's going to continue play more and more over there at Toledo. Coming from your deep experience in the past on the MLF Pro Circuit and just being on the forefront of technology changing back in, you know, 2018, 19, and 2020, when forward face and sonar was on the rise and becoming hot. I actually remember a video you did, uh, Ned Riggin, on Clear Lake out in California at a one bass event. That was a great video, really proved a lot of things. You know, it's it's a fun video to watch. If you haven't checked it out, go to Andrew Upshaw Fishing, check out his YouTube video. But Andrew, how do you feel that the open anglers in that division are picking up on the importance of forward facing sonar? Do you feel like they're still from kind of a weekend angler standpoint to a degree, right? Do you feel like they're behind or do you feel like they're running with the crowd and, they, and they've kind of got this stuff dialed in? You know, I actually think there's good or better with it than anybody. The problem is I'm actually having to turn mine off more than turn it on right now. And the only reason I say that is because I'll give you a certain situation at Smith Lake this year. I'd really figured out, I'd spent a little extra time at Smith than usual and then figured out the herring eaters that were relating to the herring and figured out exactly how they were and where they were and used my forward-facing sonar to help me find these particular areas with these particular fish. Come tournament time, I was sharing an absolute ton of water with other competitors to the point where I was like, this is not going to work. Like, I can't keep fishing in these crowds because it's we're all splitting too many fish and there's not enough fish right now to split. And so I think there's certain situations where you need to be good with it. You have to use it to your advantage. And then there's certain times you need to put that cover on that Garmin and stop staring at it because I actually think they probably use it more on the opens than they did at the pro circuit. I, I truly believe that. I mean, these guys, they get so locked into staring at that unit that they just kind of forget about fishing. And so, yeah, I, I think I probably would more likely use it less, but very interesting, yeah. Kind of like watching the deer cameras too much versus being in the woods, I guess. Correct. Andrew, do you have plans to kind of go back out west in 2022? I, I kind of feel that there's this magical attraction for anglers like you and Kurt to go west for some angling action. Oh, man, I was actually going through all my schedules for next year, trying to see what conflict, because I want to be back out there at the U.S. Open, first off. I just love that particular event at Lake Mead. And it's such a tough place, but it's like a magical place. There's nothing else that looks like it in the country. And the fishing's hard, but it's so rewarding. Like, I can go out there, if I can figure out a way to catch 10 pounds, like, I've done something. Like, that is a awesome <laughs> feeling if you go out yeah. there and catch 10 plus pounds. And it, which is so sad. But, like, it's just it's just that kind of a draining-type tournament. You know, I actually looked at fishing the entire series of the One Bass event series. They actually added another one at Mojave going into 2022. And so I'm definitely looking at it. Yeah, you know, I'll be the first to tell you my YouTube videos that I did at Clear Lake were amazing. And the, I honestly had forgotten about those for last year. But uh, they were some of my highest-viewed videos. I think they're all around the 20,000 of view mark. And it's because of that magical, nobody really goes out there often, you know, unless you live there. So all these East Coast anglers will watch it because they're like, man, I, I've never really been to Clear Lake. I want to see what Clear Lake has to offer. And so, um, and, and not everybody 
vlog their entire event. Like, uh, uh, there's only a handful of us that truly do it. So, uh, you know, it kind of gives them that experience without actually being there. So I really want to go back out there. I want to give that experience to my fans and my followers and anybody that wants to be a fan or follower of me because I, I think it's a, a big deal. I, I want to share my life with everyone else and let them think that they're there too. So I think it makes it a lot more fun that way. Yeah, man, that's a great perspective. Andrew, it's time for our listener question segment brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. This question was sent in through the uh, Bass Edge Instagram from Josh Dvork. I hope, Josh, I didn't butcher that, but uh, his uh, otherwise known as JVideo47Fishing out there on the Instagram page. He's from the Northwest. Josh asked this question, Andrew, if you could answer this for him. What determines your choice of drop shot leader length when you start your day? Is it weather, structure on the bottom, how the fish are set up on the graphs, or a combination of somewhere in between? It's only one thing. And only one thing always is that's watercolor. Watercolor is always going to determine how much a fish can see and how close they are to the bottom. If the water is really dirty, I go with a really short leader. And contrary to belief, a really short leader drop shot in dirty water works extremely well. As the water clears, I'll go anywhere between a foot and a half, two foot leader. You don't have to have a big leader. Even if the fish are sitting way up off the bottom, you can actually manipulate your leader length based off how you fish it. So if you're fishing it vertical and the fish is sitting 10 foot off the bottom, you just drop your bait to that particular mark. If you're casting to a particular spot with a drop shot, you can actually kind of swim that drop shot up off the bottom as well. Leader length is more important whenever you start looking at watercolor, and that will absolutely help you get more bites if you pay attention to that short leader dirty water, long leader clear water. Wow, great answer, Andrew, to that question for Josh. Josh, we need one more thing for you, and that is to be sure to log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab. Fill out the information and let us know that you heard Andrew answer your question and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. And as always, a continued reminder, keep firing in those questions. Aaron, we had some good feedback from one of our Bass Edge listeners that had their question answered on the show, and he showed his gift pack there on uh, Instagram and stuff, so that was pretty cool. But, you know, if you want a shot at winning a gift right here from Bass Edge Radio, all you got to do is submit your questions to our Instagram page or shoot us an email, support at BassEdge.com. Go to BassEdge.com website. You can just click the little tab, ask the pros, and fill out the form. Any of those ways will get us the question here, and we're getting quite a few questions, but we'll pick the very best ones we feel like have great setup for uh, that particular show. So um, keep firing in those questions. You can be a winner right here on Bass Edge Radio. And, uh, Kurt, you know, there is a a potential rumor out there that we might have an announcement that will uh, kind of change that uh, prize pack a little bit from moving forward. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll know here in a couple of weeks, but uh, Andrew better get to work. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Andrew, uh, want to again extend our appreciation for you carving time out just to be on Bass Edge, also answering Josh's question, like we mentioned. But uh, it's been some great insight. Any closing thoughts for the listeners? You know, I want everybody to know, man. Like fishing is fun. We got to keep fishing fun. We support the the companies that support bass fishing. So anybody that supports Bass Edge Radio, you definitely need to go check them out and check out my YouTube channel if you get an opportunity. It's a learning experience. So you know, 
sometimes I go through some daily video rants where I go post a bunch of tips and sometimes it's tournament reviews, but it's just more importantly, just get your kid fishing, get everybody fishing. And the more we can work together, the better this industry is going to be. But that's all I got, guys. I, I really do appreciate all y'all's time and allowing me the opportunity to be on the show. Absolutely. Outstanding, Andrew. Thanks for being here. Hope to see you around some events there in 2022. Have a great and relaxing off-season. I could see in your last uh, couple videos that it's been a drain a little bit on you, and you need a little restart. So it's going to be great for your off-season and be fun to follow you again in 2022 out there on the tour. Y'all hang in there. Aaron and I will return with more Bass Edge right after the short break. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Be at home with nature with nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings at wildwings.com. Explore art prints and canvas wraps of bass, trout, walleye, muskie, and more by acclaimed artists like Mark Sassino. I primarily paint underwater scenes of game fish and usually in a fishing situation, going after prey or going after a lure or a fly. I get asked sometimes whether I like fishing better or artwork. It would be tough to give either of them up. I can't really think of a good reason to give either up, so I'm going to stick with them. Make your home, office, or cabin show off your passion for angling. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge and sign up for an exclusive offer to Bass Edge listeners of 10% off your next order. Give something special to your loved one and be at home with nature. Visit wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge. That's wildwings.com backslash Bass Edge to get 10% off your next order of nature-inspired art, decor, and gifts by Wild Wings. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. Aaron, that was a in-depth. That was in-depth. All, all our interviews are in-depth, but I think we had a totally different feel there with uh, Andrew talking about a wide variety of topics, not just how to catch fish, but you know his, his uh, journey there through the opens the last couple years, where he's at in that process, diving into where his space 
is that he's actually feeling really comfortable and successful at right now. You know, he's being very successful in the space that he's in. And uh, it's a good place, I feel like, for Andrew to be. And I think you can feel that energy throughout the interview, that he's excited about where he's at. He enjoys the challenges that, that are up against him. We talked a couple episodes, Aaron, with Seth Fighter about what are some changes that he would see Bass make. And uh, it was interesting. One of those things were, you know, some change maybe a little bit in the open division setup and that jump between the opens and the elite series. Andrew mentioned that a little bit too, the financial instability of the paybacks in that process. Uh, They have huge gigantic interest. You know, they're signing up more people than they can fish for these events. I mean, huge wait lists. Do you feel like there could be some movement in years to come? Obviously, the 2022 has already been laid out. Do you see some potential change for 23 or 24 or the year 2025 in how this regional kind of open setup moves forward to change to the space that's maybe supporting it? I certainly think that there will be some dipping their toes into that space. I think we're already seeing a little bit of that with, what is it, the National Professional Fishing? NPFL, um, that's NPFL. right. NPFL. And I think so far, I think that's that's went over well. Here's reality though, Kurt, and not to be a spoiler or play devil's advocate here, but I do believe that if you have a waiting line like these organizations do under the current terms and mm-hmm. payout structure, there's not going to be a whole lot of motivation for organizations to change that because to increase right. payouts and things like that, uh, it takes money. And so I do think that there will be some attempts to bridge that gap. Is it sustainable? I, I don't know the answer to that question. You and I have been doing this a long time, all the way through back when professional PAA, uh, through BASS and through all of those right. changes. And, you know, it, it just seems like that there is always a repositioning of the chess pieces, but the chess pieces never really wind up in different places on the board long term. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's just my two cents and that's competitive fishing and that's the business end of it. But reality is, Kurt, that's why I'm thankful. We're kind of more on the education piece that whatever does exist out there, that people can use the platforms that uh, they have before them. And some people may uh, just choose to go weekend fishing and forget all the tournaments. So anyway, that's kind of the space that I see. Well, again, another great interview and uh, super appreciate Andrew breaking down the fishing, the finances, you know, his goals, his ambitions, the YouTube, you know, and, and the branding and all the stuff that touched on a lot of different topics throughout the interview. So well, and was, I appreciate, uh, Kurt, that, you know, sometimes that uh, we do have, like you talked about, we've been talking about this fall fishing for a long time and how difficult it is. I do <laughs> right. like the reprieve of being able to dive into somebody's personality and things that are a little outside of the bait and, and winding and casting and, and that kind sure. of stuff. So very well done. But you know what? We need to spend some time on the water and I look forward to being able to do that. Hopefully get to run, like I mentioned, the new boat that's coming up. So I know you've got big plans for the holidays. Hopefully you have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well as Thanks. all Bass Edge Nation. And we look forward yeah. December 1st, hard to believe we'll have two more episodes for the uh, 2021 season. It's been an interesting year and we'll talk more about that in the upcoming episodes. So for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Be sure to stay on all things Bass Edge through BassEdge.com and social media. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, 
power pole, and transport graphics.